I'm Crystal Escobar and this is episode number 89, Building Bridges with Tarina Maldonado. Welcome to the Mormon Enlightenment Podcast hosted by Wannabe Balanced. My name is Crystal Escobar. And I'm Sean Escobar. This podcast started out as a self-help podcast for moms and has transformed into a documentation of our journey out of Mormonism. Our goal is to make it safe for others to live their authentic life, break free from social norms and limiting beliefs, and inspire others to courageously share their truth. In February 2018, Sean published a recording between him and the man who sexually abused him as a child. This man was the director of the most recent Temple Endowment video, and the story was featured on the front page of the New York Times. Sean has become a powerful advocate for victims of sexual abuse. Crystal founded the Wannabe Balance brand in 2010 and recently published her first book. Now we have decided to partner up and grow this special post-Mormon community. We want people to feel safe to follow their hearts, even if that means leaving one's lifelong religion. Not only should they feel safe to leave, they should be able to do so with their dignity intact. Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited to play this recording of my conversation that I had with Tarina Maldonado. I wanted to give a quick little introduction and just kind of share a little bit about her before we get into it. But first, I just wanted you all to know that she is actually an admin of our Mormon Enlightenment Facebook group. So she has done such an incredible job along with so many of our other admins who really take such good care of the group and they make sure that it is a safe space. They monitor it daily and I sh- I just appreciate so much the time and the energy that they put into the group. So Tarina Maldonado is a survivor in every sense of the word. She has overcome child abuse, sexual assault, and leaving a high-demand religion like all of us. These experiences have taught her resilience, empathy, determination, and instilled in her a desire to inspire others to join her in a place of thriving. She loves sharing her message of hope and joy through public speaking and writing. In 2018, she wrote an article calling attention to sexual grooming in a children's movie. The article quickly went viral, reaching millions of people around the world. Tarina has contributed to blogs, been invited by news and media outlets, and been a guest on various podcasts. She is currently anticipating becoming a published author this summer as a contributing author in the book Fear to Freedom, Stories of Triumph After Leaving High Control Religion. Tarina finds her greatest joy with her husband and three children. And also just wanted to make sure you know that I am going to be leaving the links of all the different ways that you can find Tarina on social media or be up to date on her book coming out this summer. Thank you, Tarina, for being here. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you more. I know you're part of our Mormon Enlightenment Facebook group, and I've seen you be such a powerful person in there. And I love, I really appreciate all of your hard work and being such a great one of our admins and keeping the keeping the vibe in the group um, respectful. And, and it takes a lot of people to do that. So I really appreciate you and all the other admins who take the time to filter um, all the different things that are, you know, the discussions so that we can keep everything respectful and um, tolerant. I think that's an important part, thing to have in a, in a community that, you know, we're seeking for understanding, validation, uh, a safe space to express 
all of our different emotions without judgment. So I really appreciate you and all of the other admins for taking the time to um, make sure that it's, it's a safe space and you can feel safe to share anything that you're going through, no matter what it may feel, you know, like sometimes I think we are afraid to express something that may come across too negative, but it's so important that we have that safe space to express every emotion that we go through without being judged and bashed, you know, cause some people get angry. So I appreciate you guys for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. That, that safe space that you guys created was like a lifeline for me when I first left. And so it's been really, really fun and fulfilling to be able to help keep that, that vibe and that, that space kind of yes. sacred for everybody else. Thank Yeah, thank you so much. So I would love to hear more about your story. This will be such a fun opportunity for me to get to know more about you and your background. And so just share, um, before we get into, into like any particular topic, um, let's, let's just start with a little background with, with you and your experience with the church and um, when you left the church. I don't even know how long ago it was when you left and how that was for you, how many kids you have, all that. Yeah, so I was born and raised in the church. I actually have pioneer stock on my dad's side. There was a story of some great, 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 some odd grandmothers told in general conference. Um, and then my mom, um, she was a convert to the church. So first one in her family on, on that side of the family. Um, and then my, I was active all through, all throughout my life. Um, was a very good girl, like followed the straight and narrow path. <laughs> um, and my husband and I got married in the temple and um, had three kids. And we, um, it was just last year that we left the church. Um, I was serving in the Relief Society presidency as the secretary. Oh my gosh. I kind of think it's funny how this happened, but I was in a presidency meeting when one of the counselors said, have you guys read that book, The Saints, yet? It's got some really interesting stuff in it. And all of a sudden, my interest goes, ding! Really? I, I had heard about the book, and it had kind of been mm -hmm. on, on my list of books to read, but that moved it right up to the top. And so I started reading it right away, and it had things in it that I'd never heard before. You know, it talked about treasure digging and failed banks and polygamy in a way that I'd never heard before. And it left me feeling very unsettled. Um, and so I told my husband, I said, so I just finished reading that book, Saints, and it wasn't exactly faith promoting. And so oh. <laughs> we kind of discussed some of the things and together decided, like, let's do a little bit more research. And I told him, because I was always the more faithful one in our relationship. Uh -huh. And so I told them, I made it very clear. I'm like, I'm looking for answers because I know that there are answers that make this, like, that make sense. Because this doesn't make sense right now, but I know there are answers that clarify things and make this okay. So that was my attitude as I began researching. Um, and I had remembered hearing about the gospel topic essays. So that's where I went and I started reading those. Um, and my husband had had a coworker share the CES letter with him, like a few months prior to this, and he had started reading it and he shut it down. He was like, oh, this is just anti-Mormon stuff. Oh. So then when we decided to kind of look into some things, he went back to that. So 
he's researching and reading the CES letter. I'm reading the gospel topic essays. And, and, you know, there were answers that made things a lot more clear, but it wasn't the answers that I was hoping for. And it was heartbreaking with every essay that I read, like my foundation and my world was just crumbling beneath me. Mm. And, um, I, I was a little obsessive about it <laughs> and like everything in my home went on the back burner and my time was completely dedicated to researching this and reading these essays. And I made sure to like follow all of the links so that I got all the information, all of the footnotes. And so within a week and a half, like I went from serving in the Relief Society presidency, fully believing to, to saying to my husband, it's not true. Oh my and, gosh. And realizing that. And so it was, it was really fast. I know there's a lot of people, it's kind of a slow burn and we were more like firecrackers. <laughs> yeah. So we made an appointment with our Bishop. Um, we went in and at that point, like, I felt like I had the answers. Like I knew like this isn't true. And so for me, it was just to kind of make things official. We went in and we sat down and, um, and we asked to be released from our callings. Were you nervous? Um, I, I was, but I don't know if I was nervous because of talking to the bishop, um, because he was a really good understanding man and I really liked him. Mm -hmm. um, it was more nervous because I knew that this was like making it official, you mm. know? Yeah. This was, this was, this was it. Mm -hmm. so I sat in there and I like ugly cried the ugliest cry <laughs> I just I cried and I was like I didn't ask for this I didn't go searching for this I was looking for faith promotion I yes. was to fill my testimony <laughs> yeah so um that was January of 2019 so we're just about a year and a half out now oh. and um I've always been a very very active on social media and a very social person. And I would say that vulnerability is probably one of my core, core values. Um, I love to just, let's get raw and real with people, probably a little bit too much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that though. I love when people are just open and honest. I let like, let's just cut through all the bull crap and just, just be right. open, you know? Right. <laughs> yes. So as we were going through this, I, I realized I had no clue what it was like. Like I'd had plenty of friends who'd left the church and I was very empathetic to them. I was still supportive and friendly to them, but I had no clue, like the pain and devastation that was involved. And so I wanted to try and help those people that I love that were still in the church understand to some small degree. So I sat down and I wrote a blog post about, about our leaving and I shared it. And this was only like a month or two after we left. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> like, I don't regret that I did that, but it definitely accelerated a lot of, of things that would, that happened. So a lot of the, the shunning that happened, it, when you leave the church and a lot of the shaming, it all just hit like a tidal wave because everybody I knew 
knew we were gone. So, so wait, how soon was that after you left that you decided to publish that? I don't remember exactly, but it was within the first couple of months. So yeah. I feel like it was like we left the end of January and I feel like it was in March that I shared that. Oh, so. that is so cool. So brave to do that. That yeah, is a really scary thing to do because you know you're opening up a can of worms, you know? You know that, like, you're going to have right. people uh, either trying to do their missionary work on you by expressing their testimonies or they're going to be people that are upset with you for even publishing something like this on your, you know, like making it public because I think that was where I felt the most nervous is, like, I felt like people would be really disappointed that I would even – share that because it it felt like i know from their perspective it looks disrespectful like why would you share that you no longer support the church that you grew up in or that you don't believe in it like why would you have to even share that and it was really hard for me to you know for people to message me too i'm sure you got plenty for a few I'm really upset that you would even do that like that's so disrespectful but i'm like but why like don't we get the don't we have a right to express our thoughts and opinions and our life experiences? You know, I just felt like that's just so, you know, not right for people to be upset for us sharing our real yeah. life feelings and thoughts, you know? Right. It, it's just my experience. And so I tried to share that in a very loving, compassionate way without being disrespectful or, and I, I, I think I remember reading yours and I remember, because I think that's how we first found you Yes, like and you invited you me. into the Mormon Enlightenment Facebook group, yes. huh? Yeah. yeah so um, how was that though for you? Like, were you able to like stay in a good place or did it really bring you down for a while? Like when people started after you, you know, went public with it, when people started messaging you and the different comments and all that, like what, how did that feel for you? So, but I guess I just was so confident in my decision that that really helped back me, you know, like I just, there was no way that it could be true. <laughs> and so when people would try and, and, you know, do missionary work or when people told me that they thought that I was a smart and intelligent person and couldn't believe I would fall for such things or that I was only a bright and beautiful person because of the gospel. How could I leave that behind? Or, you know, those kind of things. I was able to just like take a moment and feel that hurt, but then also just let it go and know that that was, that was just them. And that's not me. And what I needed to worry about was, was me. Yeah. And so if they think that that's okay, but I know that I'm just following the truth and I'm just doing what's best for me and my family and so what they're saying doesn't, doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. So, and I felt that I could be an advocate of, of peacefulness between apostates and still believing people. And so it was, it was always been my goal to lead with love and to let them know, you know, I still love you despite our, my change in beliefs and that we now have different beliefs. And I hope that you can extend that same love and respect towards me. Yeah. It is funny how people um, get upset about sharing facts about the church, you know, it's like, but this is like, this is the, 
you know, like what's on in the gospel topic essays or this is, you know, like I've had people get upset with me for sharing quotes by past prophets and stuff. Like, but that's a quote, like your prophet said that. So why are you upset with me for exposing that? (laughs) You know, with all the racism and all that stuff right now, especially it's just like, oh my goodness. Yes. Yes, especially right now. It's really hard for me to not be sending Brigham Young quotes to all my families. (laughs) I know. I'm like, did you guys know? Did you know? (laughs) This is what your God said. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem quite right now, does it? Right. (laughs) Like God just thought, well, you're not ready yet to accept black people. Like maybe down the road, we'll give you a new revelation and then you'll be able to accept black people. It's like, what shouldn't have it shouldn't it have always been love from the very beginning love of all people especially right. if they all come from god like <laughs> how yeah. would god just makes no sense makes no sense yes. the whole <laughs> amendment the whole amendment to the blacks and the priesthood was before i was born and so i just always assumed it happened along the same timeline as the civil rights movement and in my head i justified it that way like the lord was just being cautious and waiting until it was really safe for everybody and I could see how there would be problems if and then I realized wait a minute that yeah <laughs> this like, way behind everybody else shouldn't God have been leading the way for equality yeah that was that was a huge one for me when I read the essay on blacks and the priesthood I was just I was shocked at yeah at how slow and how poorly the church handled that I know that's such a good point. Like if you, if you have that, you know, like, yeah, I remember feeling that way um, as a Mormon, like, well, like we have to have certain things come at the right timing, but I'm like, but wouldn't that be something that you begin with? Like you begin with um, love for all and not being like, well, down the road, eventually we will accept them. But I would think that the foundation of the church would begin with, we love everybody. Everybody is equal Instead of like, well, we need to wait a while until we're ready for that. Right. Like, and that I found just- it, it very wrong that God would require the early pioneers to sacrifice their lives, their homes, their everything so that men could be married to multiple women, but, but not make those same sacrifices for equality in, in race. You make some good points. It's so true because like the Mormon church could have been, you know, like if it was from God then it, the Mormon church could have been like paving the way for, for that, you know, at, at the same level as Martin Luther King and all the other people that fought for it, you know, like why, why couldn't the Mormon church be part of that movement? You know, if it was truly from God, I think it would have. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. yeah. So um, what else, like, do you um, tell us a little bit, I know you had some traumatic experiences um, growing up, like share a little bit about that, what that was like for you um, growing up in the church. Yeah. So um, my dad has narcissistic personality disorder and bipolar, um, which are really rough. And so I grew up in an abusive home. Um, I, I like to say that my parents did their best, but their best was perpetuating cycles and generations of abuse. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was really confusing within the confines of the church because I had my dad who's serving as the elders quorum president and yet treating us so poorly at home or my mom asking the bishop if um, 
if baptisms are going to be valid because she doesn't feel like my dad is worthy to perform the ordinance, but being told that, you know, the Lord will make everything right instead of there being any investigation or consequences as to why she's feeling he's not worthy. Um, so it was, it was really confusing in some of those aspects, but I was also, um, very good at compartmentalizing and really, really held strongly onto the church. The gospel is perfect. The church is made of imperfect people. Oh gosh. <laughs> like I held on to that strongly because there was so much wrong that that was the only way that, that it could be okay was to yeah. say that it's just the people that are, that are wrong. And it's just, you know, it's just my dad. It's not the gospel. Like, even though he's teaching me from the gospel and, and using it as justification for a lot of his abusive behavior, or even being given permission to be controlling and domineering because the man is the head of the household and, you know, mm -hmm. those things. So that was really confusing and um, maybe not as much when I was a child, but definitely like after I moved out of my home and started to step into my own adulthood and to think about these things. And, and so that was the only way that I could, could make those things. Okay. Was to just, well, it's, it's just the church and the people it's not heavenly father and it's not the gospel. The gospel is true. The gospel is solid. Yeah. I think that that was always so confusing for me too. Um, and you're right. Like we do certain, we make little tweaks in our brains just so that we can make sense of things because there's a lot of things that you start to notice in your life, whether it be growing up or even in your adult life, you start to see certain things and then you're like, but wait, and you just, you have to compartmentalize because otherwise they, it doesn't all work together. So you're like, all right, well, okay, I, I'll just put this over here. And <laughs> yeah, like, so you just try to make sense of it all. And the one thing that was always so confusing to me was, um, well, actually, I, I really didn't hear a lot of stories about men in high callings being abusive or, you know, all the sex abuse that we're hearing about now. And, you know, like Joseph Bishop and, you know, as a, as, as a mission president, there's just, um, those stories were, um, brought to my attention just, just more of like a few years ago. And I just remember hearing, uh, the first story that I heard was of Joseph Bishop and him being a mission, mission president. I was like, wait, what? Like they're called of God. Like it just kind of just throws that all out the window and you're like, wait a minute. Well, if they're imperfect and they're going to be doing this type of abuse in the church, you know, then how are we supposed to trust them? You know, like you can't just put all your trust in them knowing that they are called of God and that God, you know, would, would put this type of a person in that kind of a situation to where he could abuse children or whatever, you know, all the different stories that we hear, it was just didn't make any sense to me. It no longer made any sense for me to recognize these men as called of God, but they're, they're imperfect and they might abuse you. So <laughs> it's like you, but you're supposed to trust them and, and good luck figuring that. it out. Yeah. <laughs> Use your spirit of discernment that wasn't there when that person was issued the calling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of goes all the way up to the top you know you're like well then what's so great about the prophet and all the apostles if they're also capable of doing such things you know like we don't know 
you can't just trust these men because they're called of God. It kind of just removes all of that trust that you you kind of placed upon these men because they're called of God. And of course, God would only call like such pure men that are like practically perfect. That's how I saw them. So now I'm just more like, wow, okay, they were always just men. And even the prophet is just a man. And he's making choices, you know, like thinking we're inspired in some way. You know, I I still believe in inspiration, but not to the extent of having inspiration for other people's lives, you know, guiding us millions of people in our lives. Like, why not teach all of us as members or we're as members of the church to uh, go directly to God. And you don't like, as the prophet, I would, I would just love to see the prophet saying, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to teach you how to connect more to God. You don't need to follow my counsel. Like you need to learn how to connect with yourself and connect to God. You're, and I'm not any better than you kind of thing. I would love that. That'd be a beautiful thing. That's been one of the most powerful things for me in leaving is, um, so I had this moment, um, it was kind of in the midst of all of that backlash of sharing publicly that we had left. And it was just overwhelming. And just, I felt so alone, just so the dark night of the soul, you know, and my instincts kicked in and I just started praying, dear heavenly father. And it just stopped right there. Cause I, I didn't know who to pray to or how to pray anymore that had always mm-hmm. been my go-to mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm just crying because I don't even know where to go for comfort anymore and I don't know how to do this like I think I believe in a God but I definitely don't believe in in, in the Heavenly Father or Mormon God and how do I do this and then this thought came to me that I always had the power within me you know if there's not a mormon heavenly father now there never was which means that i was always the one who made it through all of the hard situations in my life it was always within me it wasn't heavenly father it wasn't through the priesthood it wasn't through being in the temple it was me always and so I love that. The way you described that actually just really kind of connected some things for me because I think I've always just thought like, oh, that's just our minds. Our mind has fooled us, you know, over and over in the past. But it's like, no, like you can still take all those amazing experiences and like spiritual experiences that we had in the church. And and, instead of just throwing in the towel and be like, oh, it was all fake you can just actually look at it from the perspective of, no, it was me all along. Like, look at that. Like, or God or whatever you want to believe in. It was God, maybe not the Mormon God, but there is, you know, like you can trust in yourself. I think that there's some sort of higher power out there. And I do too. That's, that's what I like to hold on to, but definitely like it was very confusing. What about these spiritual experiences that I'd had? And, you know, I did some research on, spiritual witness and, and elevation emotion and those things. And so sure, in my lifetime, there was some of those things that happened, like what 12 year old sitting at girls camp isn't going to get the warm fuzzies when everybody's singing and you're sleep exhausted, like, of course, you're going to have a spiritual experience. Yeah. But, but as I reflected, and I realized that the most powerful spiritual experiences that I had had been on my own, when I was, was connecting to we'll call it the divine 
Mm-hmm. And, and so it was, it was always me. And so that was a huge turning point for me in my transition was to realize that, that I had that power and that, that, that capability wasn't gone. I just needed to reframe it. And instead of looking to somebody else for those experiences, I just needed to look inward. Mm, I love that. Such a great way to describe that because yeah, we, we have gotten so used to looking to other people looking toward the prophet or scriptures or conference talks to get our answers. Like that's always been my biggest thing. Like I just could not trust myself. You know, I just had to find it, the answer in a scripture or from the prophet instead of just making decisions on my own. You know, I think like, like one, one example in particular, like just sometimes just little things, you know, like I just, could not understand the word of wisdom. Like it felt like so many people are in the church are like, look at the way they're eating and what they're consuming. You know, like every single church activity is like tons and tons of junk food. And then all my Mormon mom friends were just drinking diet Cokes all day long. And, but yet we're not supposed to, or energy drinks and we're not supposed to have coffee, you know, to me. And, and I would like do all this research. I'm like, but coffee is actually way better for you than these energy drinks and the diet Coke and all that sugar and junk and, and everything. So I just kind of, I wished I could have just made my own decisions at some point and been like, I, I, I'm choosing to drink a cup of coffee instead of an energy drink. Cause I would have the energy drinks and I'm like, but this is so bad for me, but I want some caffeine. And like, so I, I just wished, you know, going, looking back, I'm like, I could have just made an adult decision. <laughs> like from my own research and my own understanding instead of like, Oh, but it doesn't say that in the word of wisdom. So I guess I better like follow it. (laughs) Absolutely. But it's great to be able to, to take that power back now and, and have, have your own authority to make those adult decisions. (laughs) Yes, totally. So you have three kids. Yes. And um, how old are they? Um, my daughter will be eight this month. My son will be 11 in August. And then we have a four-year-old little boy. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, um, so it's only been a year and a half. Has your eight-year-old said anything about baptism? No. Yeah. No, she has been the most vocal about her, her joy in not being Mormon anymore. <laughs> That's so awesome. So we live in Arizona. It's too hot now, but during the winter, we were going on hikes on Sundays because I find a lot of spiritual connection in the outdoors, and it's a great opportunity for us to disconnect from electronics and to reconnect to each other. And there was one time we were walk, we were hiking. My daughter says, "Aren't you so glad we're not Mormon anymore? So we don't have to go to church and we can be here. Look at how beautiful this is." Oh my gosh! I know. <laughs> yes oh yeah that was that was another thing was the sabbath day you know i'm always so conflicted because we would love to get out on sundays we would go boating sometimes or so sometimes we would just decide to skip church and go for you know go on an adventure and i had to feel guilty the entire day instead of just being like no i'm so happy that we're spending time with our family we're being outside in nature like i wished i could have just enjoyed those days without feeling so much guilt that we are not keeping the sabbath day holy or we're skipping out on church you know <laughs> yes it's really nice to have that second saturday mhm so that is probably the most confusing for my son he was um, like nine and a half, he'd been baptized. 
And all of a sudden, we're doing things that we had told him were wrong. Like, <laughs> we're not going to church anymore. We're having coffee. Mom and dad are drinking alcohol now. Like, <laughs> it was a little confusing for him. And yeah. there was there was a little bit of um, behavior, like at school, where I could see he was just trying to figure out what was going on. And so we had to sit down and have a conversation with him about, you know, like, we're trying... With these, things are a little bit different, but these are the ways that they're not. Like, we still believe in loving people. We still believe in being kind. We still value our family above everything else. You know, like, just talked about the things. And we listened, I had listened to Leah and Cody Young's um, podcast where they talked about family values. And so we sat down and we did that. And awesome. I think that that was really helpful for him to be able to, okay, like, there are some things that are different. And we talked about, why coffee is healthy and how you can make healthy choices about alcohol instead mm-hmm. of just don't ever do it don't ever drink it it's bad and it's wrong we had healthy conversations about it so that's nice. really awesome yeah a lot of teaching opportunities for us that are presented as we <laughs> transition out is in Arizona are you, is there um a big uh mormon community in your neighborhood or is it like, is it like Utah? I know there are quite a bit of Mormons still in, in Arizona, but I wonder what it's like compared to Utah. Um, it's not quite as saturated as Utah, but we are, um, and we're not in the most saturated area in Arizona, but we're right on, on the edges of it. So there are lots of, of members. Um, and, and so it's been really nice to find our ex-Mormon community within our neighborhood as well we've got a handful of neighbors in our neighborhood that have left the church and um there's a really really wonderful group for women in arizona that are struggling um or have left the church and i love that it that we provide space for those that are still trying to attend just in a more nuanced way Mm -hmm. um and it's that was another thing that was one of the most healing things Or we have these conversations from our heart and and heal together and so I would definitely encourage anybody find somebody yeah. <laughs> and meet with them and sit down and share your story like sharing your story is so powerful and even if it's just with one other person while you're sitting and having a coffee or a cocoa or whatever it is yeah you want just share your story and listen and learn from each other and and that was extremely healing for me. That's so awesome. Yeah. Tell me more about, um, like you said that you wanted to talk a little bit about like, um, having the courage to share your story and leading with love, which I I think those kind of go hand in hand because what, what do you see from your point of view or in your opinion, why do you think, um, it is, it can be a really good thing to share your story publicly, like for, Tell me all the reasons why you think that that could um, be beneficial. Well, I would encourage people um, to read anything and everything Brene Brown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, because it's all based in vulnerability. And, um, and essentially, when you leave the church, you're, you're slammed with shame. And shame is very toxic. And when you share your story, it helps you to shed that shame every time you share your story. Um, 
and it's freeing. Like every time you share your story, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of like when Mormons say, the more you bear your testimony, the stronger it becomes. But the more you share your story, the more comfortable you feel in it and the more confident you feel in, in, okay, yeah, this is, this is the right decision. And you get validation from the people that you're talking to, which is, which is huge. And for me, when we shared, like, it erased all fear of a judgment moving forward because it all happened at once. And so like, I never, I never had any anxiety about sharing a picture of me in a tank top on social media or posting about having a glass of wine with my husband because I didn't worry like, Oh shoot. Do people like, it's going to let them know. Are they going to wonder if I'm just going through a hard time? Are they going to reach out and ask awkward questions about why I'm not wearing my garments? Like it just laid it all out there. Like there was no, no need to worry anymore because everybody knew. <laughs> I totally agree. That was like a big motivation for me as well. Like I, I remember um, I posted a picture of me wearing shorts that were just a couple inches shorter than uh, garments. It was my first time I posted a picture of me not wearing garments and it was obvious that I wasn't wearing garments and I felt so nervous and I did get one comment that you know one woman was like wait aren't you Mormon and I was like oh my gosh like I was already so nervous to post this but um, somebody did call me out on it and and then it was at that moment where I was like you know what I just really need to lay it all out there and be public about it because I don't want people wondering like oh what's she doing like oh my gosh like look at her I'd rather just be able to express it fully and be able to explain myself so that there there are no um, stories being made up in people's heads about me and and all this these rumors or whatever I just wanted to lay it all out there and it did it felt really good to be able to just say it and then I no longer have to hide and uh, be nervous about pictures and what are people gonna think and I'll, I don't know it just feels good like you said to be able to say it all at once yeah it helps you take control of the narrative and and really beyond the validation and the freedom that come from sharing your story one of the greatest parts of that is you're going to have people reach out who needed to hear that. And I've had a handful of friends who reached out after I shared about leaving the church that were like, wait a minute, why? And they genuinely asked and they too have left the church now because they've done their own research. Mm -hmm. And I had people that reached out that I had no clue had left the church <laughs> because oh. they never shared yes and they they reached out and they're like we've left too it'll be okay like I promise you'll get through this it's really hard when you start out but you know like they were able to offer support from the other side so it's really really empowering to be able to to help others and to just let them know like I'm here if you need me and you're not alone I love that. It's so true. It is so comforting to know that you're not alone because initially you do, like you said, you, I think we all go through that where we feel like we must be the only ones that are experiencing this. And then you start to do, you know, you do some digging and you find the communities and then you post publicly and you realize there's so many other people that are feeling the same way, but they're kind of hiding or they're not sure and they're confused, but just to be able to to be so open about these things, it really does help you find your community 
I think that's also one of the benefits, like you said, to, to being public about sharing your story because you do feel alone in the beginning and then you really are able to find so many people by posting about it. People will come yeah. to you. You'll, you'll make those connections. You'll, those people will find you. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, there's so many people who are, can relate. And it just, it does, it feels really good. Like not so scary anymore once you find your community. Right. And I do think it's important to, to let love and understanding be, be your main goal, especially if it's the first time posting about leaving the church. Like you don't want to do it in a negative attacking sort of way, because that's not going to build the bridges that, that need to be built between believing members and those of us who have left the church. And so, um, like I said, when I shared, it was with the objective to try and help others understand. And so just to remember like what it was like when you were fully believing and, and try and speak in a way where they can hear. So true. And, you know, I think that could be really good advice for what's going on right now in politics and, and with the, um, you know, with the coronavirus and with the, all that's going on with the riots and the looting and the, everybody's like getting all up in arms about some people saying, you know, not saying black lives matter. They're saying all lives matter and everybody's just fighting and getting upset. Like you're not saying it right. Or you don't, you know, how disrespectful are you for, for having your point of view or for saying that. And it's just, I, I just, I want there to be, I think if we could learn how to approach our, you know, expression of what we, the way we see the world in a a way that is so loving and not attacking to people who may see it differently, then we can, we are more likely to come together and not, you know, like not get people to totally um, come to our side. I mean, there really doesn't have to be any sides, but we can all just allow each other to have a different perspective because we, if we realize if you, you know, use the analogy that we're all standing in different places or I love the elephant analogy, you know, like the six blind men and the elephant, like, can we just understand that, you know, like that person over there is touching the trunk. This person right there is touching the ear. Like, but we're all talking about the same thing. Our, our goal is the same thing, but um, we just want to be understood and we want to be heard. And instead of just being so upset that that man over there is explaining the elephant, like it's a snake, then oh, he's like such an awful person because look at him. He's explaining it as it's a snake, you know, but it's not. It's like a fan because I'm, he's, this person's touching the ear, you know, it's just, it, it, we all need to learn how to express ourselves in a way that is loving and also just accept other people's perspectives. We don't need to be angry at each other for having a different, we're standing in different places. You know, we all have different backgrounds, different experiences that come into play. So I just would hope that more of us could allow one another to speak our own truth and what the way we see it and not be so upset that they say it wrong or, you know, it's not exactly the way we see it, you know? So do you have any advice on how to lead with love, how we can um, come together more? Like how can we just be more understanding, I guess? Yeah. So I think, one of the first steps for that is you have to be comfortable with who you are and you have to let go of what other people think. 
which is so hard to do. Um, I remember when I was like 18 or 19, I kind of started doing little things to help me with this. And so when I was a teenager, I had horrible acne and I hated my face. So I always wore lots of makeup. And then one time I was like, I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm not going to wear any makeup. And it was so scary. It was so scary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I did that. And then I did it again and again. And slowly I got like if I didn't have makeup on. And that was very, very empowering to be able to just be comfortable in my own skin. And so the same thing, it was an exercise. You know, I had to do this and I had to walk into that grocery store feeling so uncomfortable and being scared and nervous. More than once I had to do that. And then it got comfortable. And then it got where I didn't care at all. And it's the same thing with sharing your opinions and, and loving others. Like you have to be able to let go of what people think. And, and maybe that's a mental exercise. And so I've, I've had times where I've had anxiety about whether to say something or not, or whether to share an experience or not. And so what I've done is taken a moment to pause and say, what am I really afraid of? Like, am I, am I really scared that this person is going to think badly of me? Like, so am I worried that they're going to think that I'm a liar? Is that what I'm worried about? Well, I know that that's not true. And so if I know that's not true, does it matter if, if they think that, does that, does that really affect me in my life? If they think that I'm a liar, it, it really doesn't. (laughs) And so just kind of breaking it down to, you know, if I share, what am I really, truly afraid of? And breaking it down to what you're really afraid of. Because it's really hard, really easy to say, well, I'm afraid that they're just not going to like me or they're going to judge me. Okay, that's a little bit broad. So break it down. What is it really? Are you afraid that they're going to think you're a liar? Are they afraid that you're going to think you're, you're exaggerating? Are, they, are you afraid that you're gonna, they're going to think you're angry? Like, what is it? And So, okay, worst case scenario it. What if that really does happen? What if they really do think that? How does that really truly affect you? And a lot of times the the consequences are a lot less than we we hype them up to be in our head. And that that mental exercise of breaking it down, what, what am I really afraid of when I'm scared of what other people will think? helps you to let go of what other people think. And then when you when you you let go of that then you're able to say, okay, so I don't care what they think of me negatively, but I want to leave them with a positive impression of me. So how do I verbalize things in a way that can be kind and loving? So for instance, I've, I've made a couple of comments recently on social media where I felt like people were really speaking from a, a place of, of white privilege. And I've seen so many people that I'm sure have good intentions just attacking people when they make comments that are coming from a place of white privilege. And I'm like, all that does is make them defensive and angry and it's not going to connect and help them to grow. And so what I've been trying to do is, is first acknowledge, like, I respect you and I don't judge you for where you are on your journey because we're all on a journey of learning and growth. Here are some things that I have learned that have helped me you might find them useful. 
I hope that you take the time to look at them and, and lean into the discomfort of the possibility that you might need to grow and make some improvements because that'll help you become a better human. And approaching it in that sort of way uh, instead of, I can't believe that you would say this. Don't you know? Like, mm-hmm. there's a huge difference in the way somebody is going to react to, I respect you where you are. You're growing just like I am. Yeah. Here's some things that might help. Right. That's so perfect how you say that. It's more of like, instead of stating things as fact and you're so wrong, I can't believe you would say that or think that or you feel that way. It's more of expressing your very own experience. You know, it's, you're making it more like, well, this is, yeah, I totally understand. I see your point of view. Um, This is what I read recently and it kind of made me see things differently. And so it's kind of more of a gentle approach. Like we're not getting upset for people um, having their opinions, but you can gently um, direct them to information that they may not yet have seen. And then, you know, we can help each other become a little more, educated on all different points of views instead of being so close-minded just like I felt like we we tend you know we we were as Mormons I think we're more just like no no like this is the way it is and I'm not open to any other way of seeing things and there this is there is no other truth there is only one truth but I love that's one of my favorite things about learning since leaving the church is that I realized that there is no one truth And like, I just believed my whole life that there was, there had to be only one truth. And that just leaves us uh, so, it just keeps us so separated from people. We can, we will never be able to fully connect with others because in our minds, we'll always be thinking that we're right. Other, other than just being like, well, maybe I could learn something from what they're saying. Maybe I could actually um, listen a little bit more and, and maybe there is something that I could learn from that person because I don't agree with them right now, but maybe I should drop my, my pride and listen and see if there's some, a new way of looking at it that I was never open to before, or I've never yet learned. Like, it's just, I think we all are coming at things with so much ignorance (laughs) And if we could just realize that we are all ignorant to some degree and just use every opportunity we have to expand, to understand, and to listen, we could really find so much common ground. You know, we just have to listen to each other and not just get so angry, like, you're so wrong. Like, Let's just take a minute to see what they're trying to say. Let's listen. Yes. I think when we take the opportunity to listen, we find out we have a lot more in common than we do differences. So true. And, and with the elephant analogy, I feel like inst- like instead of yelling, like, no, that's not th- what that is. If we offer, like, here, give me your hand. Come here. I'll show you what I'm feeling. Is yeah. You, can you see my point of view now? It's it's just a different, it's an acknowledging, like, you're right in your perspective where you are. Yeah. That's right for you. Yeah, I'm not where you are. Exactly. Like, come over here. Let me show you mine. You know, let me show you my experience. And if they don't, and if they don't want to, we have to be okay with that. Like, that's true too. You have to be okay with letting people be where they are. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Wow. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you would want to share with us before we end? Um, I'd love to share about the book that I have published soon. Tell us about it. Yeah. 
So I um, am really excited about the project that I've been working on. It's a group of people, um, all, all of them except for me actually are ex-Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and I really loved the concept when it was presented to me. Um, I feel like you can find lots of stories of people leaving high, high demand religion. Um, but it's more the story of what is wrong and they're leaving. And the focus of this book is, okay, we've left. Here's how you can thrive after you've left. Ooh, I love and that. So it's giving, giving stories of hope to people who've, who've left or maybe who are questioning and they're like, well, I can't leave. Like, this is the best thing that there is. I'm told that, you know, eternal life and happiness is found through the gospel. I can't leave. Like, what's better than this? Yeah. So there's, I can't remember exactly how many authors. I feel bad. But each author has contributed a chapter um, sharing their experience of thriving after leaving. Um, and it's called Fear to Freedom. And it's um, scheduled to be published next month. So I'm oh, really wow. excited about that. People can get um, on the email list on my website, which is just my name, TarinaMaldonado.com. And then I can email and notify people when the book is published so that they can order. Um, and I'm also really excited to be part of um, the Pride and Joy Foundation. I just um, joined as a founding member and it's been created by one of the members of our local Arizona um, women's group. Um, and it's for uh, people who are in the LGBT community, their families, and then allies. So I am I'm part of that as an ally and it's the Pride and Joy Foundation and I'm really excited to be a part of that as well. Oh. That's so cool. I love to hear that, Tarina. That's so inspiring. I, I just really love to hear stories that, about people who are thriving. That's such a great title from fear to freedom because, yeah, there is a lot of fear in the unknown, but then you realize how amazing freedom can be and, and we don't have to be afraid. And that to me is the definition of faith now, like just really stepping into the unknown and having faith that everything will turn out okay even if you feel completely alone at times it will you'll always come out of it and so i love to hear stories of people thriving and i love what you're doing now like that's so awesome it feels awesome to be able to contribute to the community of people who are leaving high demand religions and it's not just mormonism there are so many religions out there that are you know quite similar to mormonism and it is a very difficult transition when you leave a religion like like mormonism or jehovah's witness and all that so i love what you're doing and the way that you're trying to contribute and it really i think it it feels nice to have some type of purpose and meaning around our experience in the church and you can kind of use it as a way to help people um, who are coming after us or, or or even who have gone before us and being able to share our stories to help you know give that validation and reassurance that hey we're in this together we're learning we're growing we're thriving and this is a beautiful life still with or without religion so absolutely thank you so much Tarina, for being a part of the mormon enlightenment podcast and youtube channel and for being an amazing admin for our our group thank you for the opportunity to be a guest and to contribute to our beautiful community that we have thanks for listening to the wannabe balanced podcast Get access to free resources available at wannabebalanced.com. If you love the show, then leave a review or share it with a friend. Until next week.